0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Turn with me to the book of Matthew this morning. We'll begin reading at, at verse 22 of the 14th chapter. Matthew chapter 14 beginning at verse 22. There's a little explanation that is needed to help us understand why we have the Scripture. A little background that I think we need to recognize. If you go back and read the early uh, portions of the 14th chapter, you would discover that the thing that happened in the early part was that uh, uh, Herod had executed John the Baptist had cut off his head, and uh, Jesus has received word of this execution, and down about the thirteenth verse, he endeavors to depart and go across the lake, get away from the people, And have some time alone. He's very devastated by this execution, the beheading of John the Baptist. But he doesn't make it. Because the people crowd around him. And won't let him leave. They have people that they want to, to have healed. And so he heals many of them. And then it's late in the day. And the disciples remind Jesus of the time. And suggest that he send them away. Because they need to go buy food. And Jesus says to them, you feed them. And they say, well, we don't have anything to feed them with. Uh, is there anything? And, Jesus, and uh, the disciples said, well, there is a little boy that has a lunch, a little fish and some biscuits. And Jesus said, bring that. And they brought it, and he blessed it. And he had them pass that out to 5,000 men, <coughs> plus the women and children. They were all fed. This is just the, the background of the scripture that we have now. to Help us understand that now the, the feeding of this 5,000 is over and in verse 22 we begin our reading when he says, and straightway, that is immediately Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Remember, he was going to do that before the feeding of the 5,000. So now... Into the feeding, he constrains them to get into the ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid. Peter answered him and said Lord if it be thou Bid me come unto thee on the water. He said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? they were coming to the ship who went ceased. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Lord, we pray you would take this word that is yours and in the secrets of our own hearts make an application For we all face our fears. We're afraid is no need, when we recognize and realize that you are near, Soothe the fears that might be present this in our hearts, cause a calm to fall upon our souls, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last week. Letter from someone, no one seems at this point to know from whom, directing that they stop preaching about the blood of Christ or face possible death. The uh, police are investigating and trying to get fingerprints and doing all those things. One of the ministers, the church has found necessary to give him armed guard. Where this is going and what is going to happen, I don't know, but I was uh, writing on my job with an outstanding Christian man who's a member of the Church of God. He and I are good friends and worked together a good bit, and and, uh, I asked him what he knew about it, and he was revealing what information he had, but he asked me a question. First of all, he asked me, did I get a letter? I said, no, I haven't gotten one. I don't know if that's good or bad at this point. I don't know if anybody in Boone County has received any. The second thing he asked me was, if you got one, would you be afraid While I was thinking about how I was going to answer that question, he said, suppose somebody came into your church Sunday morning and stood up with a gun and said, you either quit preaching about the blood of Christ or die, what would you do? I said, well, I, I think first of all I'd be afraid. That would be my human reaction. But I said, no, I would not stop preaching about the blood of Christ. I can't. Do that even on the threat of death, I don't think. There are churches that are now being invaded by people carrying guns and threatening and, in some cases, killing. We've had those incidences that we have reported in the paper. I'm sure that those incidences brought extreme fear into the hearts and lives of all the congregation with whom it happened, why do we fear is the question. What makes us afraid? Would it seem that fears arise when there is a crisis In the middle of a storm in our life, we become extremely anxious, fearful for our lives, for the lives of our loved ones, of our church, for the future that we may or may not have. The story that we have before us is such a story in which Jesus seemingly did a very strange thing. That is, he insisted, that's what the word constrained means, he insisted that his disciples get into that boat and start across that lake that probably was seven miles wide in the evening to row All night, knowing that a storm was coming, Jesus knew that it would be stormy. I think our Lord insists at times that we face storms. And that he will insist upon us getting into it. Why would he want us to experience such a thing? I want to suggest just two things on this particular point this morning. That is, I believe that he has taught us well that storms serve to strengthen our faith. If we never have to face a crisis, we don't have any need of faith. depend upon the Lord if our sea is always calm. We can casually at our own pace take our oars and row across the calm sea taking our time and never having a thought that there may be somewhere out there a crisis about to face us because our sea is so calm. Don't you wish that all of our seas were that way? We don't really need much faith if everything's okay. It's in those times in life that things are not okay that calls upon us to exercise our faith. And I doubt that there is any of us sitting in this congregation this morning but what have gone through our storms. Or maybe even now we are in the middle of this storm. And we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if we're going to be able to row out of it or not. Or if our boat will in fact sink. We'll be gone. I think the Lord needs to bring storms sometimes into our life to require us to depend on him, to exercise some faith. Here they are, in the middle of the lake, late at night, a storm comes up. The last time they experienced this type of thing, they were rowing, the storm came up, but Jesus was on board, but he was down in the hold of the shepherd's sleep. They had to go wake him up. And They said to him on that occasion, Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are drawing nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? The winds, the waves, they obey your voice. Jesus awakened out of his sleep, came up on deck, and said so to the storm, Peace, he, He's still. It was calm. But he's not now with them put them in the ship, and sent them off on their own. And he, they don't know where he is. He said, I'm going to stay behind and dismiss the crowd. And then the scripture says that after he dismissed the crowd, he went up into the mountain and he was praying. He's praying way over there, and the disciples are way down here in the middle of a storm. And he's not present. And they can't wake him up now and say, Master, the tempest is raging. We're in the middle of the storm. This storm has got to serve God's purpose. Point out that in our lives, if we're going to get from point A to point B, way over here, He makes no guarantee that the area between the two points will be smooth sailing. But he does give us a guarantee. That guarantee is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. They hadn't learned that point yet. And I think maybe you and I have not learned that point as well as we ought to know it. Our scripture tells us in the 25th verse that he was not unaware of what was going on, but the scripture says that he went to them. It's interesting to read Mark's account of this same event in the 6th chapter of Mark and the 48th verse. Mark says that he came to them, but he would have passed on by. You guys sang when Jesus passed by last Sunday. Jesus would have passed by. But in going near, he allowed them to see his presence. Just a glimpse. It was dark, it was stormy, maybe it was a flash of lightning that reflected off him standing there in the middle of the storm on top of the water, calm, serene, and as if he would simply have ignored them and passed on by. Listen, when God's children are in a storm, He is close by. <clears throat> and He will give us a little bit of glimpse of Him to keep us from being totally discouraged, hoping that we'll call out to Him like the disciples did Ask for his help. Four o'clock in the morning. A storm raging. Three and a half miles from shore. You can't get any worse than that on the little sea. You're about to sink. It and you know it. And they're unloading the boat. They're trimming the sail. They're using their oars. They're praying. They're doing everything they knew to do. And they're about to sink. And then they get a glimpse of the Lord. They shout out to him, Lord, we're in crisis here. We've got a problem. That's why we ought to be crying. But do you know that many people, when they get in a crisis, become self-centered and look inward instead of looking upward? One of the things that has amazed me in all of my ministry, and I have seen it happen over and over again, people in crisis forsake the church. If there is any place we ought to be in times of crisis, it's amongst God's people where we know that the Lord is bound to be present. We have our crises. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes we don't know if we're going to live or not. Or if someone in our family will survive. Sometimes it's family strife. We don't know if our family's going to hold together. Dad goes one way and mom goes the other and the kids are caught in between. Or uh, there's a crisis between the children and mom or the children and dad. Things aren't what they ought to be. Or maybe it's a financial crunch. There's just not enough money to meet the needs. Jobs are scarce. Can't find one. Put your crisis in the picture. <coughs> We're in the middle of the storm. <coughs> but the Lord is near. not come in uninvited, but he'll give you and me enough glimpse of him for us to know that he is close. And we can cry out like Peter cried out and get a response from him. Peter's got to get himself under control somehow. He's beside himself with fear. He's got to calm down. And with all of the energy that he can muster, when he knows that he is now absolutely desperate, he cries out to the Lord and says to him, We need your help. And the Lord says, be of good cheer. Another way of saying that is, be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Just when I need him, Just when I felt or just when I fear. Just when I need him most. Jesus is near to comfort and cheer. Just when I need him most. Right during the Second World War, the story is told of a group of English soldiers that had taken a terrible beating in battle, and many of them had died, and they'd been sent back to the the back to rest up and regroup. And as their leader brought them back to the front, they were very discouraged. They knew that they were going back to face death. Not a one of them had any expectation of ever returning from this battle. Discouraged. But they went by a bombed out German church that had in the front the pulpit an image of Christ. We don't believe in that type of thing as being opposed to the scriptures, but I want you to notice something about the story. And the platoon leader in the front looked over to his right. He looked in through the burned out the front door of the church and he could See the Christ image there in front. He gave instructions to his platoon. His instructions were eyes right. And they all marched and looked. And out of that look came encouragement. They went back into battle under the Encouragement that comes from Christ himself. Very similar to what Peter did and John and the others when they looked out and there stood the very person of Christ on the water and it gave them encouragement. You are discouraged. I am discouraged. We need not be for we don't only see just a a man-made image of the Christ. We see the real Christ standing in the midst of our crisis, waiting for us to bid him come the only reason we don't have his support as much as we want is because we have not asked him to come Peter said Lord you? If it is you, invite me to walk to you on the water. What the Lord does, and all no know, Peter, you can't do that. The Lord said, come on, Peter. Come. Can you believe it? Peter got down out of that boat and started walking across the water in that storm, toward Jesus standing there. Can you walk on water? I don't want to suggest to you every one of us can walk on water. I'm not going to talk about the physical water of the sea that Peter walked upon, but I'm going to talk about that water, that sea of sickness, that sea of loneliness that sea of sorrow, that sea of pain that you find yourself in, that sea of heartache, those things that are your storms in life, listen, you can walk across the top of them at the bidding of Jesus Christ. Peter said, Oh my, What am I doing out here? I am walking on water? These are my words. You won't find that in your Bible, by the way, if you're looking. And when he said those words, he began to sink. Why did he begin to sink? Because he became more concerned about his storm and he was concerned about the Christ who bid him come. When we become so wrapped up and so involved in our crisis, we'll start sinking in our crisis. We'll wallow in our misery. We'll be destroyed by the storm about us when we have the capability of overcoming it and walking on top of it at the bidding of the Lord himself. And Peter begins to sink right down in the middle of that lake, that sea. And he has to cry out, Lord, save me. And the Lord said, no, no. You don't have enough faith to walk it? You just sink. Is that what he said? No. Peter's little faith would not keep him walking. But the mighty arm of Jesus reached down and grabbed Peter and picked him up and took him back over to the ship. It isn't easy to be faithful, to depend upon the Lord when we're surrounded with storms. Nobody has ever said that it is. But i tell you one thing. It's possible to overcome them when we keep our eye on the Christ who stands in the middle of our crisis, and upon invitation will put that hand to His down, take a hold of us, and pick us right up out of our crisis didn't say that he'd overcome all of our problems, but we would have what we want out of every crisis he said that his grace was sufficient enough to see us through. Is the wind blowing in your life this morning? Do you feel like you're about to drown in your own problems? Are they about to overcome you? You just don't think you can stand any longer? You're about to sink with Peter? The Lord said, be a good cheer. Don't be afraid. Cry out. He will reach down and pick you up. Jesus said, and verse 31 says that Jesus immediately Immediately upon Peter's call for help reached down, stretched forth his hand, caught him, and asked Peter a very important question. He said, "Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? The only way we're going to sink is if we doubt. That's all will not sink unless we doubt. Who is the master of our soul? Who is the captain of our ship? Who is the creator, the savior of our soul? If it is the Lord Jesus, his outstretched hand will grab hold and beat God.
0: Let's pray.